0: For a professional baseball manager, the only thing worse than driving home 2,000 miles in October with your season over is having a 2,000-mile drive home when your season ended like ours did in 2010, a legitimate contender falling short. It's not the distance. It's the disappointment. As it turned out, the distance was a plus. It gave me an opportunity to sort out 2010 and examine my uncertainties about 2011. On September 28, 2010, we've been officially eliminated from a playoff berth. The excitement of counting down your magic number as a front runner is replaced by the despair of seeing your tragic number being reduced to zero in elimination. The word eliminated is very appropriate. It feels like the whole season has been flushed down the toilet. This was not my first postseason trek. My wife Elaine and I, along with my daughters Bianca and Devin, live in California. Following the 1996 season, my first in St. Louis, I'd made the same drive three and a half or four days back home. In 1996, I was excited yet exhausted. That year had been the most difficult I'd ever had as a manager. We hadn't made it to the World Series, but we'd won the National League Central, swept the San Diego Padres in the Division Series, and gone to the National League Championship Series, where the Braves beat us. The loss to the Braves, just shy of the World Series, stung, yet there was plenty to be satisfied with, especially given where we'd been at the start of the year. We'd begun the season as 25 players and 8 staff members, wearing the same uniform, but we weren't really a team. After some very difficult challenges, some our staff had never before dealt with, we'd become a single unit. If we hadn't, we wouldn't have advanced as far as we did. The drive in 96 had been the perfect book into the season. I was dog tired when I got into my car. But when I emerged on the West Coast, I felt refreshed and inspired by what lay ahead. I knew before my foot had even touched the gas pedal that this drive would be different. Because 2010 was not 1996. Not on the calendar, and not on the field, or in the clubhouse. If I compared the story of the 2000 season to a drive back home, the difference between what I saw and what I'd hoped to see was slight. It wasn't like I viewed war-torn cities, derelict houses. Instead, this city was one where the neighbors had let their lawns grow shaggy, hadn't pulled all the weeds, and maybe the kids had left their bikes outside in the grass. The 2010 team didn't have the same level of intense focus, pitch by pitch and at-bat by at-bat that had marked the successful clubs we'd had in St. Louis since the 2000 season. We hadn't been horrible, and maybe in another organization, our performance might have been acceptable, or the fall-off that I saw would have been imperceptible to another pair of eyes. However, we slipped on my sliding scale from our customary 10 in 2009 to a 7 or an 8 in 2010. From about the 2000 season on, the Cardinals were really good a majority of the time. Many things contributed to our success. The first and most critical was the intensity that we brought to the competition. That's just one cornerstone. It got our team playing hard for nine innings every day, all year long. Sure, we didn't embarrass ourselves in 2010, but we didn't get to the same level as teams like Atlanta, San Diego, San Francisco, and Cincinnati. They wanted it more than we did. That was not acceptable. The intensity hadn't disappeared altogether, it lurked beneath the surface, but it didn't have the same presence in the locker room, in the dugout, or on the field. As I wound my way to California, I listened to the static, crackled accounts of the Phillies and Reds in the Division Series. I couldn't help but think about the nature of that radio signal's interference and how it affected communication. I wondered if maybe I hadn't done the right things to get through to people. You know, there's the expression that managers have to push the right buttons. Well, with the exception of the ones they wear on their uniforms, players don't have buttons. They aren't machines. They're human beings, and increasingly, the number one duty of a baseball manager and staff is to understand and relate to the diverse personalities of the players. Since the 1980s, that job has become even more critical, more time-consuming, and more challenging.